Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. This episode, we will talk about current events. Uh, a lot is happening right now. Obviously, we're still in the midst of pandemic, global pandemic. And in the US, we are. Uh, I'm sitting here in California and Hari, you're over there in Texas. Uh, the economy is kind of still uh, not fully fully functioning yet. Um, so there are lots lots to talk about, right? The debt level that's that's going uh, that's going on, not only in the corporate sector but also uh, you know sovereign nations are r- racking up debts, um, and uh, you know COVID nineteen, what's to come, all those things we'll talk about in this episode. All right, let's get started, Hari. Can you give us a quick quick disclaimer before we start? Yeah, uh, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you understand the concepts behind value investing. Um, We aren't talking about any stocks during this episode. So if you somehow figure out to invest based on what we're talking about, well, consult with your financial advisor before doing so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, great. So uh, we were chatting before the episode. We started recording on this episode. You know, this is this is this is kind of hit home, you know, to 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 both you and me, as we are going through these companies, right? I mean, this is not a recent phenomenon. This is not a you know past six months phenomenon. This is a phenomenon that's been taking place over a decade, and this is now just kind of materializing on the surface, from our level. All the companies that we're looking at, it's rare to find a decent balance sheet, a clean balance sheet. Every company that we look at. For example, most recently we looked at, you know, we looked at Disney, we looked at, you know, McDonald's. These are giant corporations that are loaded loaded with debt yep. to the brim. And so how do you think about that, Ari? What what is what is your opinion on this matter? Well, I mean, I, I think the thing is that if you are an owner of one of these businesses, right, we've we've talked about the hired gun CEO um, you know, types who come in there, um, they're getting a you know, they don't really have a large stake in the company. They're getting paid tons of money to come in. And, you know, they use the, essentially the, the very low interest rates that we've had for over a decade now uh, and lever up the balance sheet to use that to go and buy, uh, you know, in the case of Disney, they bought Fox and they've bought other assets uh, to shore up the Disney Plus thing. And we, you know, when we talked about it, it was, you know, it was an interesting play, but it was also a... um you know, it, it, they felt like if they didn't do it, then it would be like Disney Plus would fail. And it's like, well, people are not, I mean, people are using Disney for a lot of different reasons, right? And so just because you have to load up the balance sheet because interest rates are low doesn't mean that it's a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing is, is that these chickens are going to come home to roost at some point, right? And you see now that you know, in the case of Disney, that they had to borrow more money um, because Disneyland, Disney World have been shut down uh, for extended periods of time, which has never happened in the history of either of those theme parks, right? And so what ends up happening that that comes to kill them is really, um, you know, it's not when things are going well, because that's at a point when they can pay stuff off. It's really when things get hard that they have to go and get more money or they have to uh, essentially 
the money that they're earning is going to now go to pay off debt instead of going into your pocket, right? Yeah. I mean, all these companies that we looked at, I don't remember the exact number, but they're at least about more than 10% of revenue goes to interest payment, just simply interest payment. And yeah. On top of that, you got to pay the, the principal. So it's going to be a lot more. But, you know, I think it's slowly... It's it's just like sagging sagging them. It's like this you know burden on their shoulder they have to carry, and you can't grow with that kind of that kind of load. I mean, just you just can't. You're just going to be, you know, you're going to be, you know, weighed down by that weight. So what do you do as a was a you know as a company if you were if you actually had skin in the game, right? If you actually had skin in the game as a management of one of these companies, what do you do? What is the right thing to do uh, the the good news is that you and i don't care because we just don't invest in those businesses right we look at them and we say they're in the too hard bucket and then we just move on right and i think that's super important right as an investor you can't get enamored with the stock like i i've you know i i've been shamelessly plugging disney and then we decided to look at disney and i you know we all shrieked and ran away so i mean i i, I think that right. you know i think the important thing about this is that um, as investors, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to solve hard problems, right? You have to solve, right? If you can find a business that's super cheap, then why the hell do you care if Disney has 30 something billion dollars in debt, right? That's the important thing to me is that you are finding businesses that are cheap, have good metrics, you know, that the small, you know, 5% of the population that is doing well, Right. That's who you care about. You don't care about the other ones that are struggling, right? And so, I mean, from an academic exercise, you know, Becco and I can talk about that, right? What we should do. But this is kind of the epidemic of our, of the 2020s, right? I think is going to be, you're going to see, um, you know, we've seen this with Sears, right? Where Sears, you know, loaded up with debt because everything was going so well for them for so long, right? That they survived 80, 90 years on their name and their reputation and their, you know, they had a lot of assets that, you know, they, they had bought or, you know, grew like Allstate and, you know, other companies that were part of the Sears umbrella. And now that's all unraveled because, you know, they, they took on a lot of liability that they couldn't eventually pay off. Right. Yeah, sure. I just, yeah, for sure. And as like, you bring up a great point, like why, why does it matter to me? Right. As an investor, you should really look for the gems, and uh, the gems really shouldn't have these things, these 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 problems that we're talking about right now, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. What do you think about you know, like you said, you know, twenty twenties. Uh, you know, we're just starting the new decade here. In the past decade, it was a it was a you know it was a sort of a recovery, if you will, uh, the cheap money. Do you think that it'll come to an end at some point? Like, is this party going to go on? Because right now it looks like the COVID-19 hit and the government's spending, right? I mean, the whole, basically the whole world is printing money. So interest rate is low. Everyone's getting a rescue package here and there. Everyone is just loading up even more. The bubble has, you know, instead of decreasing the bubble, or popping the bubble or decreasing the bubble, it's in fact have, have grown. Um, so what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think the thing that is kind of shocking about all of this is that as this bubble has kind of exploded, 
you know, over the last 12 years, right? We are seeing that the financial discipline, the the control of, of balance sheets, all of this stuff is going to end, eventually lead to, you know, what we're seeing today, right? Which is companies that are heavily loaded up at the debt that are going to then, ultimately, they're going to have to, um, you know, do something to pay for it, right? And you saw in the, you know, in the case of Disney that they had a lot of hits in the 20, you know, 15 to 2020, right? They bought some great businesses for very cheap, like the Star Wars franchise, you know, Marvel and so on. And they were able to monetize. You're wearing one today. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and they were able to monetize those franchises very effectively, right? Um, But what if they hit a, you know, hit a dry spell, right? You know, if you look at Disney in the 80s, you know, up until like the late 80s, from this from the mid 70s to the uh, mid 80s, you know, they they had some big flops, you know, as, as a company, right? And then they were, they barely survived. They, you know, had, there were some concerns that they would go under. And now you're seeing them, you know, actually giving out shares, you know, to, to pay for stuff, right? So you as an, as an investor have no control over this. And you're seeing them print, literally print money like the government is printing money, but they're just doing it with their own shares, right? To to buy assets, to pay down debt, you know, and so on. And so you're being hit by all, from all sides, dilution, um, assets, uh, your asset value is, uh, I'm sorry, your, the debt load is getting higher. And then your future earnings that you are, you know, you're, you're basing your investment off of are now being gone, going to paying off this debt that you had. Right. Um, and then not to mention that a lot of these businesses are still paying dividends and still paying doing share buybacks when, um, you know, they don't really have good financial discipline on the balance sheet. Right. So it, it sounds like a nightmare. It, it, it really is. And I, I think you're going to see some fairly big companies, um, you know, the a company the size of Disney cannot really go under. Right. Um, bankruptcy is really not a possibility for them at this point. I mean, I'm sorry bankruptcy is not is is a possibility but um them shutting bust. down going bust is yeah. not right and sears is kind of like you know they're on their last legs if they haven't already you know uh yeah it's like a great sag almost yeah um yeah. and so we're we're going to see that but i i think the thing that's going to be interesting is that you know the the you know, a company like Sears was founded in the 20s, right? You know, in the, I mean, it may have been even older than that at this point uh, and was able to survive for so long. And they they were actually able to thrive for so long. But look at companies like social media things, right? These things that are less than 20 years old, they may flame out. You know, they, they've hit huge peaks. Are they going to flame out? Because at some point, are people just going to say, I'm done with, social media, right? Uh, and you're seeing businesses that are saying, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying ads on Facebook right now because it's, um, I'm trying to conserve money. They're saying it, that they have some political reasons for doing so. But I think a lot of it is also during a pandemic, people aren't buying Coca-Cola. They're not buying um, Unilever products. They're not buying stuff. So they're they're pulling back their ad spending. Mm-hmm. So I didn't answer your question. I just kind of rambled for a while, but <laughs> well, these you know episodes like these, you know, it's good to just like riff on you know various topics. But you know, going back to that problem, I just um, 
you know, as an investor going into this new decade, right, where you will find companies that are going to be laden with debt, just like we've seen in the past episodes with, you know, we see that with McDonald, we saw that with Disney, we saw that with many other companies. What do you, th- I mean, what, what, what is, you know, what is, you know, as a, as a protection against that, I'm trying to drive towards our checklist here as a protection against that, right? You need to be looking at, you need to be looking at the checklist and figure out, you know, if, if the debt load is going to be a problem. So like that financial statement, financial part of our checklist is going to be growingly, increasingly more important, I, I feel, in the coming years, in 2020s, because of this issue that we're talking about here. You do not want to be involved. Like I said, it's going to be a nightmare to be involved in a situation where you, you own a company that's has all these different problems. So like really doing your due diligence on the financial matters, especially around balance sheet, I think is going to be critical uh, in, in the coming years. What do you think? Well, I'm, I mean, I think that the checklist is important and it's there for a reason, right? It's to sanity check you before you just go off and, you know, f- you know, make a bunch of purchases, right? And the idea that, you know, I, I think, right, if you're asking me, how do I, how do I ensure that I'm not going to be, you know, I buy a company that's undervalued or something like that. And then the CEO screws it up by going and doing something stupid, like loading up on a ton of debt, right? And I think the answer to your question really is, well, how much of that company does the CEO own? Because the CEO is not going to do something that's going to harm his own equity position, right? If his compensation is based on equity and what he already owns and what the future of the stock price is, well, then he is he or she is not going to do something that is going to harm his or her own position, right? And that, I think, is the most important factor in the checklist, right? That's why we have a section on management, um, and that's why we pay attention to what management's going to do, because... You know, if they're if they're spending money on buybacks when the stock price is very expensive, right? And if they are um, loading up on debt and doing things, it's largely because they're not thinking like an owner of a business, and they are probably incentivized to do things that are not beneficial for every shareholder, right? Yeah, and hundred percent. And if you look at you know all of the bylaws and all of these things, it says that the board is is there to represent the interests of the shareholders, right? But the board is interested in representing its own shareholder, its own interest, right? Which is, you know, I, I mean- Delicious delicious sandwich, delicious sandwich. Yeah, they're there for the sandwiches and, you know, they get paid 250K a year. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing that Jack Dorsey cares about Disney, right? When he was on the board. I mean, what does he have to do with the board, Right. So, you know, the, this is something that probably most of our listeners don't really remember or weren't around for when it was a thing. But there was a big push, you know, um, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s to have independent board members. Right. And the idea being that if they're independent, that they're not um, tied to any one, you know, faction or, you know, so on. Well, that's dumb. Right. I mean. I don't want somebody independent. I want them to be financially interested in the company. And that means that they own some percentage of the company, right? And if they do that, then they'll think like somebody who owns the business. Because if it turns out if you don't own any shares of the company, you're not going to think like an owner of the business. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, that, that brings uh, to a point that I wanted to bring up in this episode, which is you really want to find somebody who has skin in the game, right? Yep. And in fact, I, I've been actually reading this book this weekend. It's called The Skin in the Game. And it's, it's a fantastic book. It's, it, talks about, it talks about exactly this matter right here. That if you are not, if you don't have the skin, if you don't have the skin in the game, you should, you should like for example, people who give advice for a living. You should never listen to people who give advice for a living because they they don't have they do not have the skin in the game. Yep. What do they have? What do they have to lose if you actually go and actually take the take you know his or her advice and execute on it? You think this is a good idea, so you execute on it. What if it turns out to be a total stupid idea? This guy that gave you advice has no skin in the game. So, I mean, he it, it doesn't matter to him. So, by the way, that's maybe that that doesn't apply to us, Tobacco and me. You should totally listen to us cuz just 100%. We have our best interest at heart here. Um by the way, um so yeah, listen <laughs> to us. Uh we're okay. We're the exception yeah, we to the are, rule. <laughs> exception to the rule. It, it's it's in the the footer in that book. <laughs> But anyway, it goes back to the same concept. You need to you need to find somebody. You know, I, I cannot I cannot um, I cannot say you know enough enough about that part of the checklist. You need to be looking for actual owners who have vested interests and long term vision of the company, not just you know the next quarter or quarter after. You need to have somebody who is going to be really looking out for the company for a long term, and yep. you want to invest alongside with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that that is the only way to. Uh, to protect your money long-term, right? Is that it is very rare to see businesses that are actually paying attention to shareholder um, interest, right? I, I don't know how else to say it other than um, th- there's lots of companies that are, that are, that don't have your interest at heart. And it's, you know, I mean, the, the funny thing I see is that people don't pay attention to this and then just say, well, you know, there's a board and there's, you know, there's an audit firm and there's all of these things. And it's like none of that, you know, there was an auditor firm for Wirecard. There was an auditing firm for, uh, you know, Enron. Uh, you know, your success is going to be based on incentives, right? Because incentives are the most powerful force in business, right? If you follow the incentives, you will see where people are going to, you know, fall Right. I mean, you still have to make sure that the business itself um, is successful. I mean, if you take the most successful guy, I mean, if you gave Jeff Bezos Sears today, he's not going to be able to turn around Sears, right? Um, You know, Sears is a dying business for a reason. Um, But if you have a successful business, you also want to have a successful, um, you know, you want to have that CEO properly incentivized to then also make your success continue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to be totally f- transparent to to our listeners, the companies that I own, companies that you own, Hari, we thoroughly vet this and companies that we, you know, invest with conviction are those companies that actually have founders, you know, founder or founder straight up or founder like mentality CEO yep. who are completely incentivized to do the best thing possible because his or her net worth, I mean, hundred percent of it is, is tied to the company. Yeah. And I, I think if you, if you follow that metric, you will, you will find 
typically the businesses that are the best ones are the ones that the CEO is the founder or owns a significant percentage or it's uh, you know very closely held company you know and you're you're along for the ride essentially um, yeah exactly so let's switching topics a little bit here so you know we talked about COVID-19 a lot of people are, are feeling the pain right now of economic shutdown and also, of course, from the health consequences of, of this pandemic. Um, you know, just speculation for fun. When do you think this will turn around here? Well, I, I, I think if you're, you know, I'm, I'm also a physician, so I'm going to speak in medical terms. But, um, you know, one of the things that we have, you know, we have, have seen is that um you know pandemics kind of follow a, a similar pattern right and this is kind of a mathematical somewhat mathematical equation that is dependent on how infectious the disease is how long the incubation is um how long the disease itself is and so on um and how deadly it is and and what you're seeing in most places is that um you know when they get an outbreak um, it's usually three to four weeks after the outbreak that the peak hits. Um, and then after the peak hits, it's another three to four weeks before it tapers off to a kind of a steady state. And if you look at New York, if you look at uh, Italy, if you look at a lot of these countries that have had big outbreaks, big growth in COVID cases, and then a quick shutdown, um, you know, that's where you, you see this. Um, so I, I think the thing that's kind of crazy about you know what you're seeing you're seeing a lot of uh businesses being closed in in certain states and other places that the businesses didn't close right i mean california was really never all that open right uh, but they still saw a big uptick in cases um you know starting at around the memorial day weekend same with texas same with florida same with arizona um florida it seems to be continuing to grow right um and in, in you know in New York, what you saw was a huge uptick in cases. But uh, the thing about New York was uh, New York had a much higher death rate than uh, any of these other places. Um, and even in New York, so the thing that people are forgetting about this, you know, that historically, the whole purpose of the shutting down was to slow the spread so that we wouldn't overwhelm the hospital system. And, you know, if if you continue to open the cases quickly, right, um, you know, the, the thought was that if some of these states are opening too fast and some, some states are, are not, but what, what you actually saw was there were places that had, that were always open, there were places that, you know, and they, and they didn't have any problems, there were places that were closed, um, and, you know, they're seeing spikes. So it's not really that there's a one-to-one -one relationship. And the thing that people are not really understanding about this is one, you know, masks are not really all that beneficial, right? I, up until the last two months, I have not seen a single study that said masks did anything. Um, but now I'm seeing st mask, you know, study studies that are small and not not very well done, you know, research studies saying that there there are benefits to mask use. 
I, I, I don't really see it. I still wear a mask, not, but I don't, I, I don't see much benefit to it. But I don't think that's really what's going to slow this down, right? What people are failing to understand is um, there was actually a good paper in the journal Nature that came out three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, um, that looked at, um, you know, everybody's talking about antibodies. So antibodies are, um, you know, you're um, are part of the Im immune line where um, your body identifies something and creates a protein. That protein goes and sticks to the uh, the infectious agent, the antigen in this case, uh, and it attracts parts of your immune system that goes and gobbles up that thing. So, antibodies are um, are something that I've heard everybody say. Well, you know, antibodies are positive and then they kind of wane off after time. Well, that's only part of your immune system, right? And that's a part that is, you know, making a protein is not free. Your body has to create proteins. Um, when your body makes antibodies, it's generally after it sees something, uh, there are cells in your body that recognize that there is this antigen again and generates antibodies. So that process is fairly well documented. I'm kind of surprised by you know, health experts who are saying, well, the antibodies are not li lifelong or not long-term or whatever, which is true. They may not last forever, but that means that you have parts of your body, the plasma cell that generates these antibodies long-term. But then the thing that is not really paying attention to is that you, there's the cell-mediated cell immunity in your body, which is you have a T-cells CD4 count, a CD4 and CD8. So, in the in the study in Nature, they found that uh, seventy percent of the population who had COVID generated CD eight cells, and a hundred percent generated CD four, um, and which is you know is to say that essentially you're going to create an immune re rea reaction to this, um, and those that reaction is lo long lived. Um, but the thing that was more interesting out of this was that forty percent of the population who was not exposed to COVID actually already had CD4 positive cells to COVID. Um, and what that means is that those patients had an exposure to coronavirus of some sort in their, in the, in their past that created an immunity that would also provide immunity to cor coronavirus. So this is why you see a lot of asymptomatic cases and you see a lot of people who never got anything or they had a very, very mild infection, if at all. So just to be clear, just to be clear for our audience here, uh, coronavirus, there is multiple types of coronavirus. COVID-19 is a is a is a one type of coronavirus. Yeah, there, there are actually hundreds of coronaviruses. Some have no infectious, you know, ability on humans. Um, but what it normally it's, I think, the second most common cause of a, the cold, uh, uh, you know, a uh, you know, the common cold, uh, rhinoviruses and, you know, and influenza or other types of, uh, viruses that cause cold or flu like symptoms. Um, but so the, the, the important thing that I'm trying to get to here is that I think we are actually getting to a point where our, our population actually has a, a level of immunity that we don't really understand yet. And I think that that level of immunity is much larger than everybody is even thinking. So, you know, I've heard everybody saying, well, there's secondary spikes and there's going to be third waves and fourth waves and so on. But there is already immunity in people who've never been exposed to COVID. There are people who are 
exposed to COVID who, you know, they get over it and it's just a, you know, they have a head cold. That's like 85% of the population. Um, you know, so in places that are going to be hard hit, the benefit is that they're probably not going to see significant spikes in the future, right? And I think that there is there is very, you know, the evidence is not great that shutting down the economy and shutting things down actually has much benefit, you know, to society to, to, to slow this spread, right? The, the real benefit is that you, um, that we know how to treat this better, we know how to manage it better. Um, people are staying in the hospital for shorter stays than they were, you know, when New York was hit. Um, sure. So I, I think the, 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 you know, this is my long winded answer of, of basically that this is not going to be as significant as people are, are, you know, of fear, right? And I, I think we're going to see that um, there are some countries that are basically now essentially COVID free. Sweden, I think, has, you know, they had basically no social distancing, no anything. They had a huge spike in deaths early, but now you're seeing that there's very few cases, new cases of, of coronavirus because they're largely their population has herd immunity, right? And I think that states, you know, in, in, in the United States particularly could actually see that. Whereas places that had severe shutdowns may have continued upticks of cases. Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, it's like, do we rip the bandaid off or do we prolong the pain? Either way, the surface area under the curve is going to be about the same. Right, saying. right. And I think the, the thing is, is that the whole point of this was to prevent the overwhelm, overwhelming the hospital system. And New York was never overwhelmed. They had a lot of cases. Um, it was probably very scary, you know, for them. Texas has not been overwhelmed. Florida has not been overwhelmed. They're, we're still in the middle of it, and they may actually get overwhelmed, but we're not there yet. I mean, I hear the same story here in San Francisco as well. The San Francisco General Hospital was all prepared. UCSF was just totally prepared for this, this you know, tsunami of patients that were supposedly were going to come, and they never came. Yep. And you know, it doesn't doesn't mean that I'm not trying to di you know diminish this at all. It's just that the expectation and reality has diverged quite a bit terms of you know patient you know in terms of the hospital management and what that means and also it has downstream consequences right. to livelihood of people you know not just i'm not just talking about you know stores and mom pop shops shutting down i'm also talking about physicians i'm talking about people who work in the hospital because you know these elective surgeries those are the those are the the procedures that bring in money for the hospital and they've been all shut down yeah and, and as it relates to that it's what's interesting is Insurance companies are making it big this quarter because, you know, they're collecting claims as usual. Not claims, but premiums as usual. But no one's, no one's doing any, any, you know, any surgeries or any big ticket items. So all that is just right to the bottom line. Well, and, and I think the, the important thing to understand about this is that you people still need to replace their car because, you know, their car is worn down. They still need to get their you know, elective procedure, they, all of these things are, they don't go away, right? Because COVID happens and then they shut down things and the economy still, you know, there's certain things that need to be purchased, you know, um, and those are kind of just backfilling, right? And what we're seeing is, you know, I mean, the thing that a lot of people don't, don't really realize is that the, the median age of 
of death and COVID is in the, is in the eighties, the low eighties, right? So a lot of the people who are dying are very old, right? It's I mean we have all heard you know stories in the media of a thirty something with no health problems that dies, right? But that's not really the the majority of the cases, right? And the reason that New York had such a high percentage of cases that were of deaths was you know that the it, this was rampant running rampant in the nursing homes so i mean at some point we do have to rip off the band-aid and say look you know young people are not really getting you know serious infections that are you know there are a few people who are but it's not you know life-threatening th kind of things for the vast majority of patients and at some point, you know, we're all going to have to decide that, you know, the economy can't stay shuttered forever, right? You have people who've graduated from college now who are not able to get jobs. And these are the kind of people that in 2008, you know, uh, you know, when the economy tanked before, you know, they were kind of a lost generation. It took them five, six years to start getting into the workforce, right? And if we keep this prolonged for too long, you know, this is going to, this is going to happen again. Um, and then, you know, sure. I think the other thing that we haven't really mentioned, and I'll, I'll say it my piece and then let you go is that, you know, we've, the federal government had a big stimulus package, um, that was putting money into people's pockets, um, to help support the unemployment and the shutdown and all that stuff. Um, well, that's actually depressing employment, right? If people don't have to work because they can get paid to sit at home. Yeah, they're actually, in fact, getting paid a lot more. Yeah. yeah like it, some people are getting paid double right. what they're used to getting paid. So why the hell would I sit at home? Right. Or why would I, why the hell would I you know, take the bus, go to work, you know, do this job? When I could just sit home, take care of my family, and get paid a thousand bucks a week. Right. And so I think that's a huge part of this that you know that's you know we're recording this in the middle of july um in about 15 days 12 days uh that package that stimulus will end so a lot of people are going to come back into the workforce you know and the, the question is are employers going to be ready to to start hiring to start opening um you know if states like california are going to to go back you know and shut things um, are they going to get stimulus packages for them or is there going to be more of a recession, right? So um, in, in those areas. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions that I don't think we have answers to, but I, I think the answer is that we've got to get people back to work, right? From a psychological perspective, from a uh, economic perspective, everything needs to start getting back to normal, you know, sooner rather than later. I mean, obviously within reason, we have to, you know, keep, people safe too but if we don't i mean there are there are very serious long-term consequences absolutely great we ran a little late a little over than we expected but mm -hmm. i hope this was useful uh, for you guys we talked about a lot of things but you know I, we like to do these episodes here and there to just you know, add a little, you know, add a, just a different color to our podcast. I hope this is helpful. If you guys would like us to cover just, you know, topics outside of, you know, companies, please uh, let us know. We'd be happy to talk about anything. I bet you didn't think you would be hearing about CD4 positive CD4. cells in a, in a topic, in a value investing podcast. But yeah, we could do, we could do, a, we could actually do a deep dive in that nature paper. Yeah, that's true. We can. <laughs> Okay, great. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for joining us. I hope you guys stay safe out there. And uh, thanks for tuning in again. And 
see you guys in the next episode yep thanks